introduce my family to you as well. Ah, okay, this is my family. Okay, um, you know, the best decision that I ever made was marry my wife and of course have my three children, my three lovely children. You know, now they are 18, 16 and and 15, all right? So one's in poly, um, the other one is sec four, having O-levels this year, and number three, the girl, you know, is sec three equivalent. And of course, during COVID as well, I had a dog, all right? So, um, you know, if you haven't had a dog, let me tell you, it's a big responsibility. That's why they call them fur kids, because they really, really add to your regime, um, but they also bring uh, joy to your family as well. Okay, so that's me, my family. I think the last time around I came, you know, I told you guys, I also came from, I was, uh, I was studying over in Western Australia and I met someone here as well that, that, that came from the same uni as me. And um, after that, the first church I settled in in Singapore was City Harvest Church. And that's my, my journey ever since. So I'm so glad to see you here. And um, we're going to have a great time in the Word of God today. So come before we start, come let's begin to pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for the, the, the congregation here. And we pray and we ask for your presence to come and join us. Come and let your word minister to us, speak to us, and we're in for, and we believe that we're in for a great time today. We thank you in Jesus' name and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. All right. So, in the blink of an eye, haven't we realized that we're already entering into the first end of the first quarter, right? going to end of the first, first quarter of the year. And so fast, Chinese New Year has passed. You see, even my photos, Chinese New Year one, all right? And, and we, time really, really flies, doesn't it? And I thought that today, even as we talk about time, I thought that it's important for us to have a heart-to-heart -heart discussion. Why? Because even when Jesus was on this earth, he was asked many heartfelt questions that what was the essence of the gospel? What was the most important thing about the gospel? So today we're going to ask ourselves this question. All right. So let's learn at Matthew. Sorry, wrong button. Matthew 22, verse 37 to verse 40. Let me read to you. It says there, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus here reminds us what is the most important message about the gospel. What is the most important message? Is the most important message, you know, just coming to church? But what is? What is technically? What is the essence of it? It is about loving the Lord and loving our neighbors. Loving the Lord and loving our neighbors. In fact, he tells us that if you can apply these two principles, of all the principles, if you can apply these two and sincerely love God with all your heart and also love your neighbors, you are already fulfilling the gospel. Because why? This is what the whole gospel is about. And that is why if we can do this, if we can love God wholeheartedly and love people fervently, it is something that will bring you even closer to God. Because what this is the whole gospel message. Amen? I'm sure we, all of us have talked about it before, have heard about it before, but many of times it is just hate knowledge. And that is why they say that the furthest distance is not from Singapore to Indonesia or Singapore to Bandung. The furthest distance is actually from your head to your heart. That 18 inches is the hardest to conquer because many of times the things that we hear is just head knowledge 
But we must bring it to a place where it's a hard knowledge, where it is a revelation in our lives. So today, very simply, I'm just going to give you two pieces of advice as we want to tackle the rest of 2023. And the first point is that we must begin to grow in His love. We must begin to grow in His love. You know, one of the best decisions that I ever made was to marry my wife. When I decided to marry her 22 years ago, all right, was I in love with her? Yes. Was she in love with me? Yes. But a love for each other does not mean that the road ahead is going to be easy. We still had our arguments. We still had our fights. We all still have our trials. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. Everyone has had an argument with his wife before. You know, it is, there is no 100% guarantee that we will live happily ever after. But our love for each other meant that because I knew my wife, because I dated her, I knew her character, I knew what she was like, because of what I knew about her, that gave me the courage to take a step of faith and marry her. And despite the highs and lows along the way, we continued to fight the good fight of faith and endure the trials together. And love is taking that step into the unknown. It is taking a step into the unknown, trusting the person we love. Of course, I painted the analogy first, starting my wife. But in the same way, that journey must also go on with our Lord, our God. It is not a blind faith, but it's a reasoned faith. I reason that if God was able to see me through in my early days, He's able to see me through in my latter days as well. I reason in my heart that if I knew what my wife was like, and I like her character, and I knew that we had certain things that click, and we had chemistry together, I reason that I could trust that as we took this step and plunge into marriage, that we could make things true. We could do things together and see through to the rest of our days as God helps us. Similarly, as Christians, we must learn to trust in God, to trust His character, to trust in His faithfulness. We must understand that Christianity is not a blind faith. Christianity is not a blind faith. It is a reasoned faith. It is a reason faith. That means because of what we know about God, because of what we discovered about Him, that's why we're willing to take deeper and deeper steps to Him. Correct? I remember when I first went to church, you know, just to ask, just for the pastor, just for my friend to bring me to church was a big challenge already. Why? Because the last time I told you I was a big party animal. Every night I was at Zook equivalent. And because of that, I did not want to go to church. But it took him a long one-year challenge before he finally got me to church. So what was the first step for me? The first step for me even was to make a commitment to come back the next week because I thought, too early, too tiring. Even 12 p.m. is too early for me. I will still be sleeping. So we must know that God will bring us on a journey. And it's not a blind journey but He brings you on a journey of discovery. He brings you on a journey to, to trust Him, to bring yourself to a place of deeper trust in Him. And we must decide to take these steps with Him into the unknown. We must know it is not a blind faith. It is a reasoned faith. That's why I like this verse in Hebrews 
chapter 11, verse 17. Let me read to you. It says there, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants shall be counted, Abraham, what here? Reasoned. Say me, reasoned. That if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. We must know it was by faith. It was by faith. It means Abraham was never 100% sure. He was never 100% sure, you know, when God told him that he was going to have a son even at his old age. But he decided to trust God. And then now, even as he had a son, he decided to reason, then conclude that if God could give him a son that came out of nowhere, equivalent like from the dead, surely God can do something for him even if he sacrificed his son that day. He embarked on a journey. The day he set forth from the Earl of Chaldeans to follow God, he set forth on a journey of faith. And because he embarked on this journey, that is why he grew in his faith enough to trust that God would see him through and that he was able to take a step of faith to trust him with his son. It is a reason faith. That is why we need a revelation of him, of his love, of what he can do. Because only as we take steps of faith to trust him with our time, our energy, our finances, that is how we grow to a place where we can trust him with more. Eventually, we trust him with our children. Eventually, we trust him with all that we have. We must be willing to take steps of faith. That's why I like this verse in 1 John 4 verse 18. It says there, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. For he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Perfect love casts out all fear. You know, just this week, and I was talking to one of my cell group members, and then she was asking me, like, wow, with the recession coming, with all these economic woes, she was saying that, oh, like so many devils attacking me. And then I looked at her and said that, you know, perfect love casts out all fear. When we, when we think of all these obstacles that come, we must go back to our source. And what is our source? Our source is God. And we must believe that our God is a big God. He is big enough to solve all our problems. I told my, 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 my cell group member, sister, your problems seem so big. Do you know why? Because your God is so small. When your God is big, then all your problems will become very small. And when they become small, then you don't have fears. It is when you are fearful, that is, uh, that, that is a symptom of how you view your God. It's like recently as well, you know, I just went on a trip to Malacca with my leaders. Okay, and then um, we, we stepped into the house. And then um, the, floor had, the house had three floors. And of course, there were some ladies among them, including my wife. And then I was joking with them. Hey, come, let's go and see the room. So you're going to see first. I, fitting, I was fitting an aircon. I tried to get it to work. And then, you'll go, and then I'll join you guys later. So the ladies all looked at me. And then I said, you guys scared, right? <laughs> 
So I said, okay, don't worry, I'll follow you up. I'll follow you up. I went there, we went there to scout the rooms, and they were all happy, very happy. Because why? Um, because, because the rooms were big, there's lots of space. And then I looked at them and said, hey, just now you're scared, right? You know, so which, which room do you all want to choose? I, then I, I, was, I was disturbing them. I said, if I were you, I wouldn't choose the bottom room. Why? Because the thieves were coming from the bottom. <laughs> Alright? And I said, I won't choose a top, I won't choose a top room as well. Why? Because from the skylight can come in, ma. The safest room is in the middle, <laughs> the middle floor. I was just joking with them. But why was I joking with them? Because I was I was just disturbing them about their fears. We must know that our fears make us think that way. Our fears give us irrational thoughts. Our fears make the devil seem very big. But when you know about his love, perfect love casts out all fears. So as a Christian, what must we do? We must grow in his love. We must grow and realize that our God is bigger than any trial, any lack, and any problem. Perfect love casts out every single fear. Of course, we all know that growing up in Singapore, growing up under the MOE system, all of us, you know, realize that as we go through life, sometimes human love is just so different from God's love. Because human love, sometimes we think that it's very conditional. I was always told that if I come back with good results, I'm a good boy. <laughs> I'm a fantastic student. I'm a good boy. But if my results are not good, then somehow my parents' love will seem very conditional. Man sometimes makes us think that way. But we must know that we serve a perfect God. We need, we need to know that we not do anything to earn His love. You know, today I come to you, I tell you I have three children. But I never thought that I have three children when I was growing up. I just thought that I have children, but I didn't know how, how many. Because I... Why am I telling you this? Because I never liked children when growing up. I never liked babies. You would never find me in children's church playing with all the babies. I was never a pikuboo man. I'll never do the aeroplane, you know, the, the, the food. I'll never do things like that because why? That was not me. That was not me. And so I remember when I had my firstborn and I went to the delivery room. And then after that long process, then the, gyne the gynecologist looked at me and said, Daddy, Come here, baby is out. She was crying and all. And then the gyno, the gyno gyne looked at me and said that, Daddy, come and carry the baby. I looked at the doctor. Really, like my eyes stuck deer in the headlights. How to carry baby? <laughs> and then the maternity nurse had to come beside me and teach me, put the baby into my arms. But the moment I felt my little girl, skin to skin, touch to touch, I immediately fell in love. She did not need to do a single thing for me to love her more. All I wanted to do after that was to learn how to bathe her, how to change her diapers, how to clean her up, how to give her the best care possible. She did not do a single thing to earn my love. And it was true because was she the perfect daughter? No! That day when I took her home, she put in my hand. <laughs> Alright, she did many, many bad things that I did not really like as a human being. But she did it to me. Did she earn any brownie points? Did she do anything good so that I could love her more? No. But 
the moment I held her, she was loved by me. In the same way, we must know that is how our Father loves us. We must have a revelation of His love. We must... Sorry, I went wrong way, is it? <laughs> Alright? We must, be, we, we must know that we are perfectly loved by our God. We are perfectly loved by Him. We must be assured by His love for us no matter what happens. We are His children and He simply loves us. That is how we must have a revelation. That we must not think that God only loves us when we perform, when we do something good. We must have a catch a revelation of that love. Let me tell you more about my, my baby adventures. Since a lot of you here are parents already, I was just talking to some in second row. You know, when my little girl was um, about one and a half years old, so back then my office had a nursery. So we could bring our children to the nursery for the aunties there to look after. So at that time when my eldest was born, it was a good time. Why? Because the nursery just redecorated. So everything was new. The baby cots were new. You know, the furniture was new. Everything was new. So I was very happy. In fact, it was, in fact they revised the rules such that they, I could even bring baby in earlier. So by the third month, I could bring her into the nursery ready. So I was very, very happy. Because why? As all of us here, uh, most of us here are working, so, for, with someone that you trust to help you look after your baby, that is like the best, best arrangement possible. How many of you agree with me that, right? So, it was fantastic. So, I had a duty as a father because back then, I was working in Suntec and then my wife, who's working in church as well, she's working in the Jurong office. So, my duty as a father was every day, because I stay in Ballester, to drive my baby girl to the office, the office of the nursery, leave her there, and then come back later, do and do my duties, and come back later at 5 p.m. to pick her up so that we could go home. So I was the designated driver. I was the designated um, car picker, baby picker, <laughs> right? And I was an OMO, one-man operation, because no one is with me at all. So the first two days, I did this, and everything was going well. And I was very confident already. I was like, Okay, la, I don't know why they make this big deal about it. Actually, quite easy. Work. Can one, can one, no problem. OMO, one man operation, can, can be done, can be done. So, the third day as well, even the aunties were saying that, wow, you know, Edmund, you're doing a great job. Don't worry. Okay, um, you came here exactly at five. Very, very good. So, what we're going to help you today, we're going to look after, we're going to change the baby, give her fresh diapers so that she'll be nice and clean for the whole journey back home. To Ballester. So I thought, wow, fantastic. So sitting down, reading the papers, you know, scrolling through my Instagram to pass time, you know, I think a lot of us do that. All right, scrolling through social media, you know, to pass time. And then suddenly I heard a loud scream, ah! I thought, what happened? I quickly ran into the room. I asked, Auntie, Auntie, what happened? What happened? What happened? And then to my horror of horrors, even as I was talking to her, I saw something, a bloodbath before my scene. Let me tell you, I can see on your eyes what happened. Because the auntie was trying to coax my baby girl to clear her channels, to let it all out. So they will take out the diaper, open, and then they check, nothing. They close it a bit and then go, shh, shh, shh. Open, nothing. Okay, close again. Shh, shh, shh. But this time round, this time round, 
on the last time when they went, shh, 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 something happened. Okay, before I tell you what happened, I must tell you that my baby girl is um, breastfed. So the stools from having a breastfed baby to a formula milk baby is very different. If you are a parent or you're a mother, if you, or you, if you're not a parent, you can check with some mothers later on. You realize that the, the stools from breastfed milk, right, is very watery because it's very well absorbed by the body. So the, the, the thickness is not there, so, but it's very light. It can fly very far. <laughs> but the one that comes from formula is very heavy. It's very heavy because it is not, it is man-made. It's not well absorbed by the body. Okay, so back to the story. Back then, I forgot to tell you, my daughter was having severe diarrhea. Very bad diarrhea. So, when we went back to the story, shh, 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 open, check, nothing. Close again, shh, shh, shh. This time around when she opened, the breast milk that was light and that's child changed to human stools. Whoosh! like machine gun, hit the wall of the nursery. And everything along the flight path of this missile projectile was like machine gun effects. So, the nursery that was new, that was bright and blue and cheery, now was brown and stained and ugly. And as I looked at the scene, I was like, oh no, jialat leo. A lot of cleanup for me. And the soft toys that are destroyed, I think I must buy a new one. And as I look at this scene, there was horror upon my face. As I look upon auntie, she was like, Nia, Nia, your daughter, what has she done? And then as I looked at my daughter, she was like, that sense of ease, that sense of release, there was no sense of condemnation, no doubt. All she was was in wonderland. Happy, cleared, everything light. There was no sense of condemnation in her heart at all. There was no shame. There was no remorse. And we must know that even when we do bad things, we must remember this scene. Why? Because the Bible tells us there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. When we are in the flesh, we want to condemn, we want to put down. But when we are in the presence of a God who is love, who embodies love, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. My baby girl showed me something that day. That even when she makes mistakes, even when we poo at the wrong times, correct? All of us have done that before. There is no condemnation in Christ, in Christ Jesus we must have a revelation of His love. And that is how the Father's love is like when Jesus told the story about the prodigal son. He says that, look at this verse, so he returned home to his father and when he was still a long way off, what did the father do? His father saw him coming filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. Did the son who did so many wrong things, who even wanted the father to die early, did the father curse him and say that, 
No, you come back already. Very good. Let me teach you a good lesson. Before you expect any forgiveness from me, I tell you, you better kneel on the durian husk. You better hit your head against the wall 10,000 times. Did he ask that of his son? No. They did not even speak. The son did not even say he was sorry. But the moment he walked down and the father knew what this meant, he ran to him, filled with love and compassion. We must know that as believers, all of us will make mistakes in life. All of us have done something wrong. All of us have missed the mark. All of us have said that God, I will pray and have not prayed. All of us have said that I will read the Bible but have not read the Bible. We must know that there is no condemnation. Of in, there's no condemnation in Christ. We must catch a revelation of His love. How do you know you have caught a revelation? When you're able to do this, alright? That when bad things happen, you're able to come boldly to His throne of grace. It says that, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We must know that when you understand who He is, what He embodies, that He's a God of love, even when we make mistakes, as long as you're willing to come back to Him, what is coming back to Him? It's a, form of, it's, it's a sign of repentance. We're willing to repent. We must know that, this, that He is a God that receives us. He is a God that forgets our sins. God, we must know that God is not looking for perfect, perfect disciples. He's not looking for perfect sons and daughters. But He's looking for what? For us to progress in our love, to deepen in our love, such that even though we are not perfect, we're ready to go out with Him. We're ready to take a step of faith into the unknown. Yes, we may fail Him. We may make mistakes. We may pull at the wrong times. But we must know our God is bigger. Our God is not like any human being. Our God has unconditional love. Even how far you have strayed, your God is able to receive you and embrace you back once again. If you believe that, let's give our Jesus a big, big hand. That's right. Wherever you are, let's give him a big hand. Hallelujah. He's faithful and He loves us. The second thing, that we must do as believers is that we must grow to love like Jesus. How do you know that your revelation of His love? When you have ability to love just like Him. And how does Jesus love? He loves in spite of imperfections. One verse, it says there, in 1 John verse four, chapter 4, verse 20, it says there, if someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. This is a challenge for all of us as we come to church, as we become Christians. Why? Because all of us have faced someone that has mistreated us or has done something bad to us before. And then we always tell people, you know, I can love everybody except this person. I can love everybody except so and so. But the Bible tells us very here, very plainly. It says this, says here, if you love God and hate your brother, 
your life. It means you're not walking in His complete love. We must come to a place where we're able to do difficult things. Today, most of us, when we're seated, we're seated next to someone that you love. Correct? So sit next to your neighbor, someone that you like. How many turn your neighbor and say, I like you? All right? Of course, some of you have a husband and wife can say more. I love you, all right? But hopefully you're sitting next to somebody that you like, correct? But we, all, we always gravitate to someone that we like, that we can, same key, all right? We say Singaporean slang, same key, all right? That we can connect with, that we have things in common with, that, that, we, that we love to talk about the same things. Last night, the moment I woke up, I saw my son. I, I looked at him and said that, Wow, you're very happy uh, last night, Man City draw, huh? so Arsenal got chance, right? Because why? Those are, those are things that we have in common together. So we talk about, we talk with people and we hang out with people that we like. But we need to do one step further because loving your neighbour is about loving difficult people. And loving your neighbour is about loving your enemies. And to do that, what do we need? We definitely need God's help. Help me turn them and say, I need God's help. Right? Because why? It is very, very difficult. And most of us always say that, you know, it's, if my neighbour is easier, if my uncle is, is, is more tolerant, if my, if my father has a better temper, if my so-and-so, if my friend, you know, can do things better, then things will be easier already. We always say that the problem it's never us. Friends, we must know that if we want to change, if we want to become more and more like Jesus, loving your neighbour is not about loving the people you like, but loving your neighbour is about loving your enemies. And in order for us to change, it is becoming more and more like Jesus. Sometimes when we think about this scenario, we think about, how things would be so much easier if I was born in a perfect family. If I was born with the fact that I have a perfect brother, a perfect sister, then things would be so much easier because no arguments, no fights. But let me paint to you a scenario that even in Jesus' family, when Jesus walked upon this earth, not everything was very rosy. Even in the Jesus' family, the family of Joseph and Mary, there were arguments and they were not so happy with Jesus. Jesus was the perfect brother, correct? He has never sinned before, never done anything wrong before. But yet, they did not really like him in certain ways. Alright, let's look at this verse. It says there in John 7. It says there, But soon it was time to, for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become famous if you like like this. Right, it's sarcasm. If you can do such wonderful things, Show yourself to the world, for even his brothers did not believe in him. Down here we see animosity, we see strife, because even the brothers of Jesus were not so happy with this perfect brother. Another verse in Mark chapter in in um, in Mark chapter three verse twenty, it says there one time Jesus entered a house. And the crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. What did they say about Jesus? He's out of his mind. 
they said. They could not believe that Jesus, the perfect brother, was the Son of God. They could not believe. There was arguments, there was strife among them. Jesus is a perfect brother and they had problems believing in Him. Can you imagine having your brother as Jesus? You play hide and seek, you can never win because you can never hide from His presence. Can you imagine every time, you know, when you thought your brother would cover for you, especially you did something wrong? We all have brothers and sisters, correct? We always depend on brothers and sisters to cover you. But then, your brother can never lie because your brother is Jesus. And then Mary will always get all the right answers from Jesus. And she always will say, why can't you be better like Jesus? He never does anything wrong. He's perfect. And then in your heart, you're like, wow, too much. Huh? Having a brother like Jesus is just so difficult. Being born in a perfect family does not solve the problems. Being born in a perfect family does not solve the problems. The problem does not lie with imperfect people, but the problem lies with us. That's why God always encourages us in the Bible. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 14 verse 18, it says that, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all, see that no one returns evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. It starts in verse 14. It tells us what we should do as believers. Be patient. It tells us that what? We should not return an eye for an eye. That means bad things, do ha bad things happen to good people, but do not return eye for an eye. It tells us always rejoice. Keep on praying. And very importantly, in everything, we give thanks. We don't give thanks for all things, but in everything that you go through, as you go through those trials, we always give thanks. We decide to trust in His love and faithfulness. As we go through life, we must know we need to love them with the love of Jesus. Loving people takes God's heart, God's love to change us. But we must know it will not bring immediate results. Just because we do the right thing doesn't mean that it is an instant magic potion. But when we do the right thing, the one most important thing is that we are obeying God. And as we obey God, something is going to happen in due season as we continue to trust God. One of the last few verses today says that, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you receive all that He has promised. Last story. You know, just now we talked about how we need to love like Jesus, correct? And loving like Jesus means that we need to be willing to obey. We read verses about how that if we have, do not love all our brothers, you know, it is, we, we make ourselves liars, liars because we are not fulfilling what God commands us to do. So as believers, what must we do? We must make a decision that God helped me to love. And just because we make a decision to love difficult people, does it mean that the results happen instantly? No. Down here we see in this verse that we must have this constant trust and expectation that after I've done the will of God, that you receive what He has promised. That means it does not happen overnight. 
that is something that we must bear in mind. Our job as believers is to be able to be swift to hear, quick to obey. Let me tell you about my member. My member, Annie Lam, she was born in a very difficult family. Her father is a drunk. You know, her father is a drunk and a gambler. And because of that, every time he would come back home late at night, he would beat up his wife and he would take the cane and cane the daughter as well. Since she was younger, he would cane her very badly. Such, a, such that when she went to school, she would be very embarrassed and humiliated. Why? Because the people would see the cane marks on her leg and they all point at her, oh, you've been a bad girl, right? But actually, the only bad thing that happened to her was the fact that she was born in a family where the father came back drunk, abusive, and was unreasonable. That was the struggle for her life. So every time the family would try to persuade the father to, to, quit, to quit gambling, to quit smoking, but he would still continue to quit, to smoke, to drink, and he, was, he could not even consistently hold down any job. He was a terrible, terrible worker. As the years went by, Annie grew up and she became a Christian. But despite all her prayers, things did not change. In fact, you know, the father did not change very much and sometimes he became worse. Sometimes, you know, he would come back and continue to beat up the wife, continue to, to even be abusive towards her. She tried her best because she knew as a Christian. She would try her best to honour them. So she gave part of income and then she continued to pray. But what did the father do? The father took the money that she gave her, quit his job so that he could take the money to drink more, have more time to drink. So it was a very, very tough situation. She felt very wrong, very unjustified because she did all the right things. But yet, this father was unreasonable. In fact, when she got married and she was seven months pregnant, the father came back home drunk, threw the chair and nearly caused the baby to have to go for a serious caesarean. So he was a very, very bad father. And he began to hate the father so much that she began to curse him because why? It's, it's unreasonable. How can this man do this to me? I give him money and he takes the money and he gambles and drinks. He's not being a good, responsible father at all. And she became suicidal and depressed because of all these bad things that was happening to her. This was her life. A few years back, suddenly as she kept on growing in God, the Holy Spirit began to speak to her and said that, Annie, I think it's time for you to forgive your dad. And then she thought, why? But the Holy Spirit began to remind her, say that forgiveness, if because I am love, forgiveness must start with you if you are my disciple. Even though she found it very difficult. That day, she called her cell group leader, which is my wife, and said that, you know, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and I feel that I need to forgive. So my wife led her in a prayer to release forgiveness to her father. It was very, very difficult. But that day, she made that prayer. Even as she hanged up the phone and, 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 and as life moved on, Nothing happened after that. But a few months later, because of Easter, she decided that she wanted to do something different. This year, she wanted to try to invite her mother to church. Remember, her relationship was very bad with the father, correct? But she decided to invite her mother because she don't want to talk to her dad anymore. No, nothing to do with him. So she went to her mother and said that, 
hey, uh, mom, I want to invite you to church this Easter. And the mom said, oh, don't worry, don't invite me because your church workers have been coming to my one-room flat and they've been reaching out to me. Don't worry, this Easter, I'll be there. And then, she's, and then the mom said, why don't you go invite your dad? They said, no, 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 I don't talk to him. All right? She was still very angry with him. Easter came, and then because she knew that her mother was at the service, so he decided, hey, let's go look for mother because now the altar call is being given. People are invited to come forward. Let's go, let's go and look for mom. She went to the altar call, and then as she's looking for her mom, she said that, don't worry, I'm going down. My friends asked me, I want to accept your Jesus already. But he said, your dad, he decided to follow the bus. He's right now, he's here in service. Why do you go and talk to him? She was shocked. First of all, she never expected to see her dad in the service. And then now, the mother was asking her, go and ask him, invite him down to receive Jesus. That day, in the presence of God, she decided, yes, I will go to my father. She went to her dad. The dad speaks Cantonese, cannot speak Mandarin or English. She said, Apa, no, she talked to him in Cantonese. Come down. We want to accept Jesus. He said, yes. She went down to the altar call. She could not find a Cantonese worker. So she herself, in a struggling, broken Cantonese, led him in a sinner's prayer. And that day, the whole family, mother, dad, and daughter, they all became Christians. She went down. Yeah, that's right. Let's give Jesus a big hand. They went down at Suntec City. They had family dinner for the very first time. After more than 20 years, for the first time, they had family dinner together. She was happy. She was rejoiceful. So the next week, she decided, I'm going to go back and tell my cell group members this beautiful story. You know, God, after more than 10 years, has finally brought reconciliation. And some, a miracle has happened in my family. So she went for a cell group. She gave thanks for what God has done in her family. As she was giving thanks, her phone kept on vibrating. She thought, oh, yeah, so irritating. Someone as the mom called her. Later, later, after cell group meeting, I'll call you. All right, she hang out on the phone. So after cell group meeting, everything, you know, all the members were congratulating her, telling her about what a great work she has done. You know, she has faithfully obeyed God and God has, has brought forth such a breakthrough. She decided, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I must call my mother. Just now she called me. Called the mother, Dao Ridao. Called the mother. He said, Mom, why are you call me? Just not having cell group, very busy. And then the mom told her, Your dad, he just passed away. Friends, and that was the most shocking story I ever heard. But as we went through the whole cremation process and as we talked about it, what was one thing that was very apparent to her? That it's because she was willing to take a step of faith, she was willing to let go. That was what brought about reconciliation in the family. And because of that reconciliation, that brought them to a place where the father was able to come down and she was able to do the best thing possible. She gave the best gift that any daughter could give to her family that Easter. The gift of salvation. And all because she was obedient and willing to listen to God. Come, let's give Jesus a big hand for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, we must know, in order for us to be Christians, we must grow in His love. We must grow to be like Jesus. And not everything that Jesus asks of us to do is always simple. That's why 
the Bible. The Bible, the God that we serve, that we talk about in the Bible, is a God that asks us to carry a cross. Not because it's a nice decorative piece, but to be a Christian is to carry a cross, to do the things that we don't really like to do, to come to a place where we trust God enough to obey and to submit ourselves to Him. But some people say that it's so unfair. Why, why must God ask me? See, if Jesus is asked to do this by His Father, if the Father asks this of the Son, he's, he's not doing something that's unfair to us because He also expected this of His Son. That's why He says there in this verse, Though He was a Son, yet He learned obedience by the things which He suffered. And having been perfected, He became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. If Jesus is expected to go through tough times, how much more so for us as believers today? You know, today we talk about how we need to grow in His love, about how we need to be like Him. And sometimes we need to make decisions. They are not so easy sometimes. Sometimes God speaks to us and challenges us, challenges us in areas that we do not feel comfortable with. And we ask ourselves, should I? Should I? But even if Jesus had to do it, what's so more for us as believers today? Come today, let's invite the pianist. Is the pianist here today? Yeah. But today, even as we come to the end of today's service, let's open up our hearts to God. You know, today you heard about Annie. Uh, how about how she was made to ask difficult decisions. In the same way, sometimes God will challenge us in areas such as relationships. And even as we pass Chinese New Year, I'm reminded about Chinese New Year, we all have family relationships that we struggle with. And I feel that today, God is knocking upon our hearts. He's asking us, will you forgive? Will you let go? And some of us are thinking, but my relative, my brother, my sister, my best friend does not deserve that forgiveness. Why should I forgive? But just as Jesus is willing to forgive in the same way, are we willing to let go? Are we willing to follow Him this day? right today as we quantum our hearts how many of you today want to say that God I'm willing to forgive I'm willing to let go I'm not going to ask you to come forward but even as God's eyes are watching and my eyes are watching if that is you at the count of three just quickly lift your hands up to Him as a sign that you want to let go that's right one, two, three just lift them straight up that's right I see that hand I see that hand at the back that's right Just quickly put your hands down. That's right. Today we want to pray for two groups of people. Those who want to make a, a decision to forgive and also the second group of people is that you say to God that I want to love you more. You want to say that God I want to be a good disciple. 
You say that, God, I want to carry the cross. I want to make decisions to follow you. If that is you, if you want to rededicate and recommit your life to following Jesus, very quickly, at the count of three, I want you to lift your hands straight up to Him. One, two, three. That's right, just lift them straight up. That's right, thank you, thank you. I see that hand. Come, let's just say this prayer together right now. Father God, today I make a decision to commit my life back to You. Holy Spirit, come and do a work in my heart. Today I also make a decision to forgive the people who have hurt me. Father, I forgive. Mention the person's name. Father, we decide to forgive and to let it go. So today, even as we heard about your word, come and do a work in our lives. Let us never be the same again. Let us grow in your love. Let us grow in our ability to love others. And let us fulfill the great commission that you have given us. That we are able to love people and love you with all our hearts. So Father, we just thank you. And all God's people say, Amen. One more time, wherever you are, let's give Jesus a big hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.